Sooner doop doop doop. Bit of a different episode for you today, but before we get to it, a little bit of a news speculation. Four three three four. Basically, uh, Toei and Funimation came out with a um, little Twitter tease the other day. Uh, one tweeted out a three-star Dragon Ball. One tweeted out a four-star Dragon Ball. So I want to talk to you about that real quick. Uh, but this was going to be like a special extra episode for this week. Um, but alas, I find myself uh, drowning in other shit that I gotta get done. So, uh, this will be the main episode for the week. Uh, we are going to be talking with my friend Mark Cooper in just a couple minutes. Um, he is a nerdcore rapper, and uh, he had a new album drop yesterday, Saturday, uh, the All Spark. And uh, we're gonna be listening to a couple tracks off of that, including uh, a track called. Super Saiyan Shit's dope So we're going to be listening to that And talking with Mark a little bit more About how we got into production Rapping How we got into Dragon Ball uh, His general thoughts on Dragon Ball And listen to some new tracks from the AllSpark But before we get to Mark Friday night I am chilling Getting some shit done before I go to bed And uh, I think I saw Ken Zyro tweet it out first About this three star, four star uh, Dragon Ball thing and he's like, oh, some news is coming in less than an hour. Be on the lookout. And I'm like, mm, what does Ken know? Then I saw a couple other motherfuckers like, oh, look out. We're going to break, be breaking this huge news down for you in just about an hour or so. All sorts of shit like that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, do I have to stay up for the next couple hours? Because... There's a Dragon Ball Super announcement coming. And I said, nah, fuck that. I got shit to do. I'll do it in the morning. In case the news breaks overnight, I'll wake up to some good news. Word, right? I wake up the next morning. And it turns out it is uh, the news that these guys were teasing. This legendary news that these two companies were teasing in tandem, which I think is very interesting. Um, is basically that for the 30th anniversary of Dragon Ball Z, and apparently for my 30th birthday too. So what's up? They're going to be releasing a 30th anniversary complete Dragon Ball Z series on Blu-ray with some bonus content. And it looks like it's a North American Blu-ray release exclusive, which makes sense given that Toei is announcing it with Funimation. But interesting caveat to it, it's actually not a completed thing yet. Now, back in 2011, Funimation made attempts at, I believe they put out the first two volumes of, of Dragon Ball Z on Blu-ray, and I'm not sure which episode that goes up to. I'd have to double-check the episode counts, but it got to a point in the production of transferring over to Blu-ray and, and restoring the footage that it got very difficult to repair uh, some of the older animation cells and some of the audio, from what I understand. And it just got so cost exorbitant that at a certain point, it just didn't make sense for them to continue to put them on Blu-ray. They just weren't going to make money back on them. Flash forward, what, seven, eight years, and the technology has advanced uh, in a way where it's probably much more financially viable to be able to do it. But they, they meaning Funimation, they are going to need at least 2,500 
pre-orders uh, for basically for them to get the okay to print a set. Um, they need to be able to guarantee that they've got 2,500 units uh, pre-sold in order for them to be able to justify the cost on you know, restoring these to Blu-ray. That should give you really you know, a solid indicator as to how much cost is associated with a project like this. But Funimation and Toei are going to throw in some cool sweeteners. Um, it does say with new bonus content, so I don't know what new bonus content is. That's a little vague. Uh, but it also does give you uh, North America's first ever full-size hardback art book available only in this set. Only in this set. Only in this set. And also an exclusive collectible figure not available anywhere else. And there's so much more to come, but we can't do it without your help. And then they go on to explain they need to be able to pre-sell at least 2,500 of these. So um, that was the big news. And don't get me wrong. That's that's really big news. Like this is enough for me to – I've got a Blu-ray player, but I don't think I own more than, say, five Blu-rays. I just don't really give a shit pretty much at all, but – I'll give a shit about this. I will definitely uh, be happy to be one of those 2,500 pre-orders for Funimation and Toei. So it's big news for sure, but it's not the news that we all wanted it to be. Uh, hopefully we will get uh, the, the announcement for the return of Dragon Ball uh, sooner rather than later. So yeah, that's the uh, one little update I've got for you guys before we get to this conversation with Mark Cooper and listen to some tunes off of his new album, the all spark um, mark is a nerdcore rapper as i mentioned before from detroit so it's a remote interview um sometimes remote interviews are frustrating uh from like a sound perspective just because you're relying on the internet and just fucking too many too many other variables so uh audio is a little rough at points but just bear with it um the tunes sound fucking great hope you dig the tunes if you do you'll be able to download them uh, on spotify mark cooper uh, and toward the end of the episode, he does give out his uh, his relevant website information as well. So be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, other than that, rate, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. We love you guys. And uh, we'll see you. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, patrons, new OGDBs went up the other day. Uh, be a couple more, another one of those this week in uh, MHA podcast up as well. My Hero Academia. What the hell do we call that show? Super dope. Plus ultra. Yeah, that's upset. All right. I will talk with you guys soon. Bloop. this week. Uh, my name is Kyle. Joining me today uh, is a friend of mine who I've, I've talked about on the show a couple times. Uh, we started to uh, interact through the social media page. I think it was Facebook or Instagram uh, a couple of months back. And uh, he, you know, basically said, hey, I'm a fan of the podcast. Um, you know, I also happen to uh, make my own tunes. You know, I'm a rapper. And, uh, you know, I've got some affiliation with the band SSJ. And uh, I didn't know what the hell SSJ was in that moment, but I looked into it. And SSJ is that uh, that Falconer uh, studio musician band that we've talked about on the show before that played at Comeback on this uh, past year. And I assume we'll be playing again this year. Um, but we got to talking and uh, his new album, The All Spark, is going to be dropping on Saturday, March 2nd. Uh, joining me today, my friend Mark Cooper. Mark, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what the, what day is it? Is it Thursday? 
Yep, definitely Thursday the 28th, the last day of the month. Cool, man. I, I don't have like a regular job anymore, so sometimes the days of the week elude me a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've been there. So the all spark man um you sent me a little bit of a sneak peek of uh what we can expect to hear off the album and uh i, I really want to talk to you kind of about you know how you got into making music in the first place how you got into dragon ball and, and i want to take a listen to this tune first but you know, i guess um we're plugging the all spark on that's going to be releasing saturday talk to me about how you got into making music in the first place well to be honest i um started making music around when i was 16 17 which is a little bit of ages ago we're talking 2004 2005 2004 so that puts you what 88 87 87 87 we're I'm 89 so we're pretty close in age that's good we we experienced the 90s just like everybody else that sounds God good damn right and it was the last great era i feel i agree <laughs> now the internet yeah. ruined everything yeah dude. it will be all right though right but um i started around that time about 17 18 i um funny story like um i was what my dad worked all the time so usually i did a lot of you know being at home alone kind of thing so i was a guy that got into video games things like that i was one of those kids that ran home before 5 p.m to catch Dragon Ball Z for Toonami. You know what I mean? That was something that was something I did as a kid. So I always was in that era when it came to that. Um, when I got into it, I actually, the microphone I actually grabbed from this, funny, is a PS2 game my mom bought me for Christmas. It was called Bring on the Mic, and it had Jadakiss on the front. So what you could do is it came with a USB microphone that you could plug into the PS2 and rap with your friends and all that stuff. Well, oh. <laughs> well, the game was awful, period. But the mic part, what I was able to do was able to plug it in USB. And I got a program from my cousin or something like that. And then that's how I really started to rap. I started to rap with a USB microphone and a Cubase limited edition thing that only allows you to do so much. And that's how, you know, it came from there. So you started to get into the rapping part of it first. When did you start getting into the production aspect? Because, uh, you know, granted, the lyrics that we're about to hear, especially in the Super Saiyan song, the first song we'll hear, yeah, that one's a great example. I think our fans will appreciate it because it's so densely packed full of Dragon Ball references. And that's how a lot of your lyrics are structured. They're pretty dense, but I personally love your fucking production style. When did you get into the production aspect? To be honest, um, I got into it around the same time, probably about 19 and 20, because that was around the era where the internet wasn't as big as it what it was, and you just couldn't figure out how to get any beats. You would go to SoundClick and be able to download them and stuff, but then you'll feel bad because you'll be like, well, I don't know how I can pay you. I don't know how, you know what I mean? I didn't have a debit card and things like that. I was like 19, 20, so, you know, any money that we had either went to, you know, for college when I was in college and things like that, but I didn't get extra student loan stuff. So I just had enough to pay for the tuition because we were paying out of pocket at first. So we never really got into the loans and all that. So I never really, I only had enough money to be able to eat every day. That's probably the best way I can explain that. So when I was able to do that, then I was looking like, uh, okay, I don't know how to buy these beats. These beats are cool, but I don't know how to buy them. So my first beat, the funny thing, the first beat I ever bought from somebody, I sent it in cash by letter mail i got a i got a birthday card and i put it in the money in the card and sent it off to him god damn how much did you pay for it 
$125. So not always having that kind of extra budget to be able to buy beats, it sort of was, it came out of necessity. You were like, fuck, I want to make beats, or I want beats. Like, I got to make my own because I can't keep shelling out 125 bucks a clip. Sure can't, man. So that's when I... um got in the FL studio with it. First, I got into Acid Pro, and I really wasn't great at that. But once I found FL, I mean, it's, you know, history from there. So I've been using it for 12 years now. So and that was back when it wasn't even FL. I was just Fruity Loops. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And you stuck with it. Are you still using FL today? Oh, yeah, of course. Cool, man. Um, so when do you decide that, I guess this kind of, kind of bridges into the, the big question I want to ask you, but when, when did you decide that you were going to start working Dragon Ball Z stuff into your lyrics? <laughs> well, the funny story is the reason why I got into beats is because of Bruce Faulkner, like knowing the dubs, oh, the feels, boy. all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very interesting story how this is brought up. Uh, and I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. So it's okay, be interesting. Good, because I mean, historically, I mean, I know that you've listened to the show, but I don't know if you caught the episodes where Bruce Falconer is not my favorite dude. I'm a big uh, Kikuchi guy. Like I love and appreciate those original scores so much. When I hear the Falconer stuff, maybe it's just because I'm already tainted by knowing the Kikuchi score, but I just don't appreciate it the way some kids who only experienced it through Toonami back in the day did. Well, to be honest, that's just, that's just how it was. Like the first real like anime I've actually seen that was beyond that was Ronin Warriors, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, I've always liked Japanese scores and things like that, but it's just something about when it came to the English dub, it, it was triggering. Like the, the way the emotion is, the music, the way it was put together was triggering for me. So I've always wanted to have beats that give you the feels. You know what I mean? That's what I, that's what I aim for. Okay. But when I found out later on, you know, it wasn't Bruce Falcon, there was a group of other guys that I've been looking up to all these years who really meant a lot that falconer is basically just ripping off basically well not necessarily ripping off it was a work for hire yeah. so that makes total sense yes that's the way the contracts are structured i mean the fact that they didn't get credit isn't you know on them it's just the way that it was structured they got paid it was, day. it's how it was in the 90s man yeah. so it's, it's not really anything you can uh really say about it so when i met them at you know at kamehakan i was starstruck i just was like i didn't know what to say and then i was like you know they decided it was like yeah we're going to come together we haven't seen each other in about 15 16 years so so, so hold we, up i think we just skipped a major step here how the hell did you figure out who those guys were if they didn't get the proper credit back in the day you're gonna laugh man um actually i went to megacon in 2016 okay and uh, i met you know chris sabat and sean simo and chris didn't hint anything but he let me know he was like he's like look mark I mean, I know what you were talking about because at first I wanted to see if I could do a beat tape with DBZ and then get the voice actors. That was the that was the plan. Right. But you know, but Eric Val, the voice of Trunks, told me he said, uh, "Funimation owns our voices, dude." Oh wow! What are, you, what are you talking about? And then they're like, "Yeah." So if we do anything outside of Funimation, we we do copyright infringement. Wow. So voice actors technically can't do outside projects without the permission because Funimation owns the art of that voice acting. 
So basically, I know offhand, um, uh, Monica Rial, for example, is one of the voice actors. She works for Funimation, but also works for the guys at Rooster Teeth on that show, Ruby, which I've never watched. But like, basically, for her to be able to go do that, Funimation had to sign off and give her a permission slip, basically, is what you're saying? For what I understand. Huh, that's pretty interesting. I didn't realize like they owned the actual, like they couldn't go work at other places. That's, that's, man, the way those contracts are structured is ridiculous. The more I learn about them, the more ridiculous they seem. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it is. DBZ is such a big, huge franchise that, you know, you got to understand to keep your voice actors healthy, keep them all together and things like that. So that's, you know, that's the best way they go about those things. Yeah. But beyond that, yeah, because beyond that, like um, Chris Abbott said, he was like, look, Mark, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You know what I mean? Me, you know, I mean, Bruce Faulkner's a cool dude or whatever like that, but just do a little bit more research. I know I know how you feel about this kind of thing when it comes to music and fans and stuff, but he flat out just chopped it up with me, and he was like, do a little bit more research when it comes to that, especially with you being a producer. Wow. I said, okay. So next thing you know, Khan comes around the corner, and then they say SSJ because Geekdom actually spoke them up. That was the first time they ever appeared anywhere Dragon Ball Z period related. Wow. Ever. So who so, came up with the idea to for those guys to reunite at Kamehameha then? They did. They just said, "Hey, you know what I mean, let's uh, you know, let's get all together and then do a band, you know, have a and maybe tour con or two or things like that. So when I met him at Kamehameha, which was actually my birthday weekend, it was really cool. I went out for my birthday and I was starstruck, dude. Like it's crazy that the people, the reason why you do music and you meet up with those individuals and they talk to you like a regular person, that means a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? So that whole experience is amazing. Yeah. It's, so I, I've talked on the show about, um, I had a very interesting interaction with Sean Schemmel a couple of years ago. Um, I had a good, I had a great interaction with, with Chris Abbott at the same convention, although it was much more brief than my Schemmel one. I had a very negative interaction with Michael J. White, uh, Black Dynamite one time, and that kind of <laughs> had taste in my mouth. Um, right. But like I always say, like it's kind of risky being your hero sometimes, but in this case, it worked out for you. Oh yeah, it's definitely definitely a blessing. So they were down to earth, dudes. And and what's 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 it like now? Are you guys still in contact? Or oh yeah, um, I actually do a little bit of work with them and things of that nature. So we we talk on a regular. We actually we went from the stage of me being a fan to me being a friend. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. Oh, yeah. uh, so you know what? I think that's a pretty good segue into where your first tune. Then we're gonna put on Super Saiyan, uh, which was the first tune that you sent to me as like a teaser the other day. Yeah, uh, setting this whole thing up. Um, let's let's play that one and uh, yeah. Okay. Starlight, star bright. What I wish tonight if I reach Super Saiyan. Plateaus, long strides, wait till I take flight, uh. become Super Saiyan. Moments have come and went, people have come and gone. But it's with Shinra, so far beyond any forms of limit, the competition is given. 
and go for the head like an Indonesian religion. My level is off. Yo, that Indonesian religion going for the headline is that a reference to Nemo from Dragon Ball? Alright, cool. I thought I picked up on that, but I thought maybe I was making it up in my head. Seeing is believing I'm 2020 prepared. Never been misguided and blinded by solar flares. Won't take sitting down while obliterate all cares and move one step forward on any terms for affairs. But I understand a super saiyan is a fantasy. Be able to fly, match powers to different galaxies. When in my mind it's a dream that I have to reach. Gather all seven for the chance to breach. Uh, I think I count like 12, 13 different Dragon Ball references in that first verse. Yeah. And then you drop back into the catchy as fuck auto tune hook. I love it. And then this next verse, the black bottle mist, and then the sacred water. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> Yeah, Dreams can be far-fetched Power's the metaphor that I got in my conquest to do Wherever it takes for me to work at my best ability That I haven't reached yet, trust the process Can't deny, just wanna be greater Don't want my career to be Yamcha in the crater Don't ask for any favors or handouts Not trying to disappear, I ain't feeling a dynamic route So hear me out, hear me clearly Been working at it yearly Attack with big pains that crumble up theories yeah, I hit the bottom and still exist. Even was surrounded by the harshest black water mist. Know that I'm the one you see that that black water mist. Soar to the top for that wrist to get the sacred water sip. I'm never coming down. My dream is no hobby. So be on the lookout. No did they come. on the lookout whether it's somebody new or somebody who knew me because Kami is the one of the first that everybody recognized for Dragon Ball Z and then it got passed on to Dende very true that's two eras of the show <laughs> that's a good point man you know what I realized um, or not realized but you know what I, I learned the other day you, do you fuck with Mystery Fusion at all on YouTube um I want to say if I seen the, if I seen the channel, I'm pretty sure I know. He's like a long-haired blonde dude who does a, a series called Dragon Ball Dissection. Oh, I, I gotta see that. Ah, uh, dude, he does such a good fucking job. Um, he he you you could kind of um I could see how some people could be annoyed with him because he's very faithful to the Japanese pronunciation of literally everything. So uh, shit like Kabudin and Bruma and shit like that, which. I'm 100% fine with, but I could see how not everybody would be cool with it. It happens. But he really does like a faithful dissection of all of the manga. And uh, I want to say he's like up to the cell games at this point. But he goes through all the Japanese source material and just breaks it down beat by beat and just kind of comments on it. He's funny, dude. Um, but he does this like alternate, not alternate, but like this companion series to it. I think he does it like once every couple months where he'll break down one of the ridiculous fucking Dragon Ball Z movies. Mm -hmm. And he broke down one the other day. I want to say it's the first Kula movie when Kula first comes to Earth. And yep. uh, I think it's the beginning. I, I could be wrong on the movie. So if I am, I apologize. But it's, either, it's one of the cooler movies. But 
the beginning of the movie it opens up with dende on the lookout and he's just like oh shit a super powerful person's coming to earth to fuck things up this is crazy and then he like breaks down the timeline as to when that happened in japan right Mm-hmm. That movie comes out like six full months before Kami and Piccolo fuse, and Dende eventually ends up taking over what happens, you know, uh, preceding the Cell games. So ah. the movie completely spoiled the fact that Dende was going to take over as, you know, the god of birth. <laughs> wow. Fucking way to go, Toei, Bandai, you dummies. Bunch of dummies. Ah. All right. So we're talking with Mark Cooper uh, Saturday. Uh, his album, The All Spark, is coming out and uh, we just listened to super saiyan which was that first tune that he sent me as like a little teaser the other day um obviously i think i counted um i don't know like 24 ish dragon ball references <laughs> i'll have to get <laughs> yeah there's a lot in there including a super like i thought deep cut because it took uh, like the third listen i caught it uh they call it on Namu with the fucking uh, the Holy Cross, like when he goes down and uh, goes down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Heavenly Cross, is that what it's called? And he, he drops down on Goku's throat out of the sky in the 21st yes. Budokai? Yes. Like, what the hell, man? That was a deep cut, but you got it in there. You got a bunch in there. Oh, yeah. You got When you get better at this stuff and always constantly writing, you have to get clever ways of saying certain things. It's amazing. Um, so I think that the fact that you've got an entire song that, you know, have a, you know, a bunch of Dragon Ball references and the hook obviously ties it all together with that catchy auto tune thing that gets stuck in my fucking head now. So thank you. (laughs) I realize that's your job as a songwriter, but Christ, man, that thing like is an earworm. Um, why do you think, uh, Dragon Ball Z as an anime resonates so much with hip hop culture? Like I hear Dragon Ball Z lines leak into rap songs seemingly you know, way more regularly than I remember it you, having happened in the past, obviously. But I mean, there's like some kid who, I don't know if he's a fucking garbage rapper or what, I, I don't want to listen to him, but like he calls himself Kid Boo and like says he's on uh-huh. and, and shit like that. Like Dragon Ball Z is fucking everywhere in hip hop culture. Why do you think that is? Well, check this out, man. Um, <clears throat> there's a genre out there that these kids really don't know exist but the genre is called nerdcore nerdcore is a genre where there's a group of rappers that rap about pop references when it comes to video games anime um comic books all those particulars there was always a lane for that and the thing is about when it comes to the internet nowadays i i don't like to say it like this but you know there are some kids out there that were really really afraid to let people know what their main interest is and now thanks to the internet and things like King Vader and SSJ and Tut Wheezy and RDC World 1 and people like that they feel it's it's comfortable and it's okay and it's cool to do the fact that you like anime you like going to comic conventions you like doing that it's became a trend and with our urban youth they decide to combine it together. Hey, I don't want to be this rapper that keeps rapping about money, cars, clothes, and hoes because that's not my lifestyle. And people feel more comfortable rapping about what they live with. And I was one of those kids also, even though I was a little older 
You know what I mean? I grew up in the era when I was rapping, it was G-Unit, it was Eminem, it was because I'm from Detroit. So all we hear is game banging stuff. So what do we do when we write songs? We copy basically what they were doing because we think that's the formula. We haven't developed this artist being like, yo, I don't want to do it anymore. And that's where Nerdcore came in. And that's where the big YouTube video game raps came from. Like my, you know, one of my great friends, Skullcruncher13, AKA JT Machinima, you know, that's what he did. He made Halo raps, Left for Dead games and all that. And all he did was rap about the story or the basic concept of what the game is about. Shit, man. That's like a trifecta of three different situations coming together to really help, you know, a, a genre merge. Did you think about that shit? You had an oversaturation of stuff like Eminem and, and whatever the fuck you've got going on in Detroit that you don't want to be able to, you know, you think that you got to replicate it to some extent because you, you think that's what success means. But like at the same time, there's so much of it, you're probably getting tired of it too. Uh, at the same time, you got the rise of YouTube that allows people to go out and make these videos and share them and find an audience whether that be a rap about dragon ball or halo or whatever the fuck else and it's like the segmentation of the internet and like communities of it and how that's things have become smaller and more grouped and more fragmented if you're like you're into a particular fandom like you know the fans or the big fans or the serious fans of that fandom um for dragon ball z it's definitely like that like you and i probably have a lot of the same friends or know a lot of the same people because this is a fandom that we're pretty passionate about but you take all three of those things and put them together and that's really what gave the opportunity to for nerdcore to like find an audience and become such a big thing and influential on hip hop. Exactly. Shit, man, that's a lot. I just said so many things. <laughs> yeah, man, and all and all it will do is just get bigger. And um it'll be one day there will be a day where there will be a mainstream market for Nerdcore, even though there is one now, but it'll be even bigger than before because now, you know everybody people the internet did one great thing and something i always tell everybody the internet and the streaming services did one great thing you have finally allowed a person to choose what they wanted to listen to yeah you're not um the prisoner of like uh subjected to the things on tv you can go out and seek your own content Yes, you can literally find your own people. Um, indie artists can find their own fan bases that they didn't even know existed because they think they're going to have to make a Cardi B song or a Drake song or something like that. You, you could be you could be rapping about Samurai Shampoo, and then you'll find 30,000 people who love that song because you talked about Samurai Shampoo. Hey man, that's how uh, we find our audiences, man. We we talk about things that are emotionally resonant with them. For whatever reason, people have emotional, a strong, particularly emotional resonance when it comes to Dragon Ball, and uh, I think that's why I have a Dragon Ball podcast. Otherwise, people wouldn't give a shit enough to listen to it. Well, you do have a good podcast, but I can't say people wouldn't listen to it. But uh, it does bring some people, man. You know that. Thank you, man. Um, but. All right, so we've listened to the Dragon Ball. So nerdcore is pretty much how you would define yourself as like a. I mean, I, I hate to try to put labels or definitions on somebody as a fucking musician because that's stupid. But okay, um, if you had to classify what you're what you're doing in terms of your artistic endeavor at this point, nerdcore. Yes, it would be. I'll be a nerdcore hip hop artist. But my particular genre, that if I did create it, it'd be called nostalgic rap because I rap about anything of my nostalgia. 
Word. I like that nostalgic rap. Um, so let's listen to another tune that is definitely in the vein of nerdcore in that it's very... I, I listened to it once through before we jumped on today, and I, I got a lot of Disney references out of it for sure. Uh, we're yep. a special stage. Is this one off the new album as well? Um, well, special stage is not the Disney references. That's that's completely different. Ah, oh, man, I'm a dummy then. Well, oh, no, you're you're right. No, I'm thinking you're of magic. Okay. I'm thinking of magic. Ma- yeah, magic's the one with the Disney um, magic. Oh, man, Disney. Magic's what I want then. All right, we're going to listen to magic. I was going to like reset the whole song, except that I set up the right song. I meant to do magic. Special stage is at the end. Wait for special stage, everybody. That one's coming up. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I could definitely pick Saturday morning cartoons. I know that like the back of my head. Well, I must say, I'm impressed with your progress so far. So much that maybe I could be nice for a change. What are you about to do? Well, since I'll be giving you such detailed topics, I guess I can give you something more simple. Are you serious? So Jimmy Cricket. Remember the magic. Remember the magic. Remember the magic. Remember the magic. I'm probably gonna try to be obnoxious and talk to you about what samples you use through this song because it's super catchy. <laughs> Oh yeah, you'll be mad where I got it from, but you know. Is it Mariah Carey? <laughs> no. That sounds like Mariah Carey. It's the Disney Parade. History lesson, 1957. Castle built in the land, displaying the slice of heaven. Question if Oswald was Mickey's secret weapon, could we? On the menu, ratatouille, the recipes, making your tail spin, but only bare necessities, catching me so collectively, all types of perspectives. From Mary Poppins to Great Mouse Detectives. So evil, like Corella DeVille, flow so deep, the vocals for Ursula Seals, a never-ended debate. In Jafar's second rate, then my Maleficent visions in the mirrors will look great, so now wait. Space Mountain in the theme park. A limited fast pass when the line starts. So Fantasmic couldn't expect anymore until then the business starts to us. Bye bye. Keep it hunting in one, no need for the pongo. Elephants in the room and I'm soaring over these dumbos. Hiding in teacups with the merry-go-round flow. Uh, don't get too picky. All ears like Mickey and Minnie. Sketch out the characters knowing there will be plenty. Hidden deep in the south where the souls are never empty. And right through the bone with a silly symphony sent me. I know, take me back to Disney as a college grad. In all the greatest moments that I ever had, put in life in part. Cast members will understand, live life as a fantasy, cruise into Tomorrowland. Started off with resorts representing the world. Showing all the magic to all the boys and girls, hoping they pay attention to things that's really happening. Glance to figure out what Walt Disney's imagining.
Cooper, motherfucker. Wow. So this isn't a magic from Mark Cooper. Mark, I just yeah. didn't realize how Disney that song was. Oh yeah, man. Sometimes you got you know, when is a Disney track? You better Disney it up, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean if you're gonna do Disney, you gotta do it right because it's Disney, man. <laughs> Yeah, you're getting yeah, you're getting trouble for that. So you know, <laughs> fucking around with Disney. So talk to me about how that track came together because you said that you worked for while we were talking there. I honestly, I I missed a little bit of what you said only because I was fucking. I turned the volume up and started jamming to it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So talk to me about you worked for Disney for you said six seven years. Yeah, about six years. So what did you do for them? Well, to be honest, first I um it was 2010. I was in I was in college. You know, you get to that breaking point of like you saying like so what do you really want to do is this thing worth it blah 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 yes. and then there was a uh, disney seminar thing that they had for the college program thing i said yeah why not i'll go to the thing i, I didn't have anything to do in classes weren't until six o'clock so i went and um there was like yeah you can apply for the disney college program and be able to you know go to work at disneyland or disney world whatever you get to choose is a great opportunity for the resume i said you know that would be good you know to actually give that a shot so around that time you know they were like yeah you just fill out this huge questionnaire thing because disney is thorough about everything i believe it like they probably they probably have pictures of you that you don't even know that's there you, you know what i'm saying just I, just I for the sake of right so there was about i think maybe 200 300 people applied and i was like Man, i didn't hear nothing then found out they said they called back six people and I was one of them. So I was like, okay, you got me in the second interview. All right, that's great. Let me just go through this phone interview. And then they were like, uh, two weeks later, they had a setup where it was like, well, we figured out we only have one candidate left. That'd be great for the job. And it was me. So out of like 250, 300 applicants, I was the one they picked from Detroit. So I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then the rest was history there. You know, I got to live out in California for about six months, you know, where they have their housing and things like that. Made up with a lot of great friends and opportunities and things spurred up together. So what were you doing for them like on a day-to-day basis? Well, honestly, I worked at the park. Um, it, it seemed like it was a setup because, you know, you work at the park, you know, like work at the food joints or work at all those particulars during that. Use that to make the money to be able to pay the rent that they have us in the housing thing, which is fine. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that's, you know, a job is a job. You got to do what you got to do. But the main point is to go to the classes and network and meet the opportunities. And also, since you're under Disney's umbrella, you have a better chance of being able to get better jobs like with, you know, with ABC or ESPN or Marvel or whatever was in particular, you know, setups back then. Yeah, all the general stuff that falls underneath their umbrella. So, exactly. So talk to me about where the sample for that song came from. Because the first time I heard it, all I could think of was like... A Mariah Carey song that goes like and Not at all. what the hell Not is that sample from? Please educate me. Alright. When you work at Disney, you hear the same thing every single day. It's a small world after all, I imagine. Oh, well, no, no, I wasn't on that part of the land, thank God. But uh, <laughs> I was over in the New Orleans area with like where they where they play like Princess Tiana stuff and they played a lot of a lot of jazz. They play a lot of jazz over there. Cool. So which is pretty cool. But um, 
when it came to parade time at three o'clock and all those particular things, they would have this, you know, remember the magic and it's all the, everybody and all the kids are super hype about it. But one time I tried sampling in 2012, I wasn't as great as I am now. I was doing and I was like, oh wow, this could be really cool. You know, you know, I picked a certain part of the song that I liked and I was like, oh, this could be pretty cool, you know, to flip that. But I wasn't nowhere as great as it is. Yeah. So here I am. Here I am, like five, six years later, I still have the sample. I said, okay, let me try this again. And then everything clicked together. And then it was like, wow, that's crazy. And you I just did it. just recorded the sound of these people and the kids freaking out in the middle of the day or whatever? No, no, I found a, I found a track. I actually found a track of it cool. because friends of mine I know had to practice that in the parade the routine so they were able to show me what the name of the song was and i was able to get it so people who go to college there or whatever will be that's what drives the nostalgia part of that song for them exactly word all right i get it i think that's the part of the thing that i missed while i was jamming so i just wanted to make (laughs) oh no man it's no big deal but that's really what that is at the end of that song there's like a there's a part with like two dudes who are like singing like two harmony lines together what what is that part oh that's that's actually one guy his name is kj you could definitely check him out he does um vocal i forget what they call it um uh uh, I'm thinking of the word. They do acapella um, songs. Like they do, they do like acapella medleys. Basically, you know, like when you can have like 20 different parts, and they basically make a medley with their voice. I can't think of the word right now. I know I'll, for, I'll know I'll know right when I get off. But um, his uh, no, name's Keith, and he does it for Kingdom Hearts. Oh shit! So he does like a bunch of Kingdom Hearts shit. He does Kingdom Hearts. I've seen him do um, uh, "This Is Halloween" for uh, for Jack Skeleton for you know Nightmare Before Christmas. And he does a couple of them. He has it on um, on Instagram, not Instagram. He has it on Spotify and things like that. And he's got a new project coming out. I'm not sure when he's going to release that, but that's what he does, and he's great at it. That's so cool. I reached out to him because that's technically nerdcore anyway. So I said, "Hey, I'm doing an album like this. Would you want to do?" It? He said, "No problem, man." I really like your music and then that's how that came about so really nerds tend to unite and come together more than the regular people because you you know being a nerd you ain't reaching for clout Not because no, there's no clout to reach for right now <laughs> you know what I mean so <laughs> So that's where that comes in. We do this stuff because we love it, not because we're making fucking bucks. Exactly. Goddamn right. Um, all right. Well, I uh, I think I pretty much, uh, I mean, outside of, you know, I got a couple more Dragon Ball questions for, I think we hit most of the music stuff. So um, before we listen to the last tune of the day uh, off the new album, I wanted to get a couple of general opinions, man. This is a Dragon Ball podcast after all, right? So... Um, 100%. So you started watching Dragon Ball on Toonami back in the day. So you were a dumb kid first. Uh, oh, yeah. What were, your, what were your overall impressions of Dragon Ball Super as a series? Were, were you watching that shit as, as it was airing live in Japan each week? Yes, I was. So what were your impressions of Super as a series? Well, Super, the way Super was for me, it was like, hey, Mark, you can watch this show again as an adult. 
and it's okay. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't ever think about what's the best way to explain it. You don't be thinking about, hey, aren't you too old watching cartoons, things like that in that nature? Well, that generation with the internet and all that stuff changed. Since I'm a nostalgic person, why not watch something I watched as a kid, as an adult, and enjoy it brand new? Because one of my dreams is to be able to make something for the, you know, for the show. That was one of my dreams of being a producer. And now you got some ties to the SSJ guys, which is dope. Exactly. So, I mean, it's nothing greater than, you know, literally being friends with the people, the reason why you make music. That means a lot. Absolutely. And if anything, it's, I think it would, uh, you know, like you take the initial inspiration from those people and then you meet them, like you said, and you, they were awesome people to you. And now that you've, you know, become friends with them, they inspire you in like a different way. It's like, Hey, you can be this successful and this excellent at your job and still be like a grounded, cool person. How cool is that? Exactly. That's amazing. That's fucking awesome. man. Um, now the Broly movie, what'd you think? I saw it twice in theaters. <laughs> so was the second time because you loved it or because you were unsure? The second time was because I wanted my main friends to see it with me. All right. So the first time you saw it, would you go solo? Yeah, I went solo. I saw a friend of mine or whatever I knew from school, sat with him, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so it was definitely great. I I guess I I don't know. What'd you think about the end where they kind of leave it open for Broly to be uh, either a douche or a cool guy? It's fair. Um, the reason why is because watching it from the movie aspect, he really didn't have a, have a reason. He was just overly powerful. And I like the fact that they kind of rewrote it because, you know, like the first time they made Vegeta look like a bitch, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, just right. like, oh my God, it's a legendary Super Saiyan and blah, blah, blah. Although it was a lot more brutal how Paragus got killed, but, but it, it, it shouldn't have been that comedic, but it was very funny. I don't know. Have, I kind of think actually, uh, the first way they killed Broly, or excuse me, the way the, the first way they killed Paragus with Broly killing him was way more fucking brutal in my opinion. That scene oh, yeah. has so much weight when he tries to escape and you're like, yo, this dude about to bail on his only fucking kid and then the kid's like nah fuck all that and crushes his goddamn I, I I know but the, but the, but the... <laughs> Bro, he's such a dick <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was worth it but um but yeah I like it I like the fact that they actually gave Broly a, a quote unquote side just because they're gonna get ready to go with the universes and I watch I keep up with DBZ heroes I keep up with heroes yeah man we so, just covered the latest episodes of heroes the other day what do you think about heroes that thing is amazing although it seems like every one of the interns grabbed everything from GT and put it in there the correct way like uh, the like the android baby, the android baby kids yeah man those fucking twins are scary as hell yeah, so they got and, that. And, and that other episode, or I don't know if it's his most recent one, but the episode before, because I watched them both the other day in succession. I, I'm not good at watching them when they first come out, but like those Safarian kids are like half Safarian, but like half computer, and they've been programmed with all this data about everybody, and they decided. The Safarians decided that these two kids were way too fucking dangerous and that they were going to try to kill them. And then they said, nah, fuck that. And they killed all the Safarians. Like, that's some heavy shit, man. What the hell? Yeah, it is. But I honestly thought they were going to say the Tuffles and they didn't. And I was like, okay, now nah, I know what you're trying to do. No, Safarians and Tuffles are basically the same thing. I think uh, Tuffles is like the American localization of Safarians, right? 
I just oh, say Shakurian because I'm a fucking snob. You know <laughs> what? That might be it. That might yeah. be the Japanese version, what they call them now from the Tuffles. But that's that's the shit that's crazy about it. But um, I just like I like the fact that when they're making these enemies, it makes a little bit more sense. I'm not like I'm not caught up in you know when you watch as an adult you'd be like how the fuck that happened yeah but you know you have some it, common sense and you're like hey this is a show that's written to not make sense so uh, yeah I'm just gonna enjoy it right so now that's when you see superheroes <laughs> right the best way is just look at it for the sake of having fun and enjoying it yeah. but there are some individuals on YouTube that will analyze it so ridiculously hard that you just sit there and be like damn I'm, I feel like a retard man like what's going on it's not even that I think that those people just need to get a fucking hobby and I've I've bitched about several of those people in the past like Dude, it is a show. I mean, if you want to follow like power level logic or whatever, that shit is thrown out right around the time scouters start exploding off of people's faces like they are Samsung phones. So when that shit starts happening, dude, power scaling's completely thrown out. Okay. It's then written at that point to not make sense with power scaling. If you base your YouTube career around power scaling, Please don't cover anything past the fucking Frieza arc. All right, please, please. Yeah, there's no point, especially when I get mad. I love death battle. I really do. Yeah. I hate the Goku and Superman thing. That triggers me every day. Uh, that's like I can't count how many rules, how uh, how many groups I'm in on Facebook where one of the rules in the group rules explicitly is no Goku versus Superman posts. <laughs> like, it, I'm it's, not even kidding. I'll guess, it, I'll guess at least ten. At least ten have that rule: no Goku versus Superman. Man posts Ugh, they're the same person man just one's japanese <laughs> that's what i would say especially after this past fucking ruling movie all right dude let's uh let's look to the last tune as this is a special stage this is the one that i accidentally almost played earlier this is off the new album right Yep, off the Allspark. Actually, all these are off the Allspark. All these are off the Allspark. Word. All right. I thought Magic was an older tune for some reason, but cool. So all of these are off the Allspark. It's dropping on uh, Saturday, March the 2nd, and we'll pick up where uh, you can find it right on the other side of this tune. Okay. I never had that. I just got a yak back. 
till you see the diamonds reflecting off the victory. In the dirt, like feeling little to feel. Looking for words, I know the birds are sleeping still. On the real, I'll do more than what they will say. Go harder than Jolly Ali Man did on career day. I've been hungry, suffered at the lunches though. Cause I remember I was lunching on Lunchables. Trying to figure out whatever direction now I'm trying to go. Got enough in when I was working up at Domino. Same woes that Blizz and Crimson can feel. In January, enough bills to give me the chills. Uh, keep it 100, not keeping the meal. The ones that screw you over, the ones that they get you the grill. Got bars most media can't handle yet. Four girls, R. Kelly, live so scandalous. No scope, take the halo as a favor. I'll make you Mr. Freeze while I pull out the Schwarzenegger. X and O, it's gonna be a cat's game. Have a more missing it. Ten Ten's last name. I got the brain to take over the world. My pinky is in the sky for the fancy boys and girls. Rocking the turtleneck sweater. Check the attire. Know I'm suited to be better. Never had a ruler because I feel it to measure. I know I'm the one. Like, I hear this whole fly over that fucking head and they just sing it some other fucking regular old Fox song, not in the vein of Nerdcore. Isn't that wild? Yeah, and that's the fun part. <laughs> like, how much of it do they get? And that's what makes it awesome. How much of the joke are they in on? <laughs> yeah, and what makes it even cooler is that it requires them to go back and listen to it and really understand. Right. And it leaves something for those analyzer kids. What did Mark Cooper really mean in special stage? Let's go and digest this verse. It's true, man. Very fucking dense. Densely packed verses for people to digest, for sure. That's the best way to do it, man. Word. All right. Well, Mark Cooper, uh, Dragon Ball Superdope, man. How do, you, how do you feel about your first Superdope appearance? I feel amazing about it. I've been listening to you guys, and it's a it's a blessing that you actually um, have me in this, and I really appreciate it. Nah, man. If we can throw a couple more downloads your way, I'm more than happy to help. Uh, I, I dig the tunes. I dig the lyrics. I dig the production for sure. So, uh, Dragon Ball Superdope fans, if you uh, like some of the tunes you heard today, why don't you go download Mark's album? Where can they find it? Well, the best way you can find me is just uh, look up just Mark Cooper on Spotify. Uh, come right up. Um, also, you can, when my website and everything is put up, it'd be called itsmarkcooper.com. So I-T-S Mark Cooper. You can actually type that all in on Google and you'll find everything you need to know about me. Word, man. It's markcooper.com. All right. Dragon Ball Super Dope. Uh, Mark, thanks again, man. Uh, we'll have to have you back on. Maybe we can fucking talk with you again about um, maybe you can be the conduit to one of those SSJ dudes so we can get an idea of how it was, uh, what it was like to work uh, for Falconer back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd be great. I definitely would um, let them know. Cool, man. Dope. Uh, Super Dope. Make sure you listen, rate, subscribe, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>